Hello, and welcome back to the Polish Nerd Podcast. Uh, I'm Ollie Kardrick, your host, and I'm joined as ever by Matthew. I'm a little rusty at this because it's been a while. We're How are as you? Professional as we have always been, that is to say, not at all. Yeah. So, um, we haven't been recorded in a while, um, as you might know. We put out an Instagram post explaining it that uh, I got married and Matthew was my best man. Yeah, selfish bastard decided to rope me into his bullshit. Fucking hell. So, we've kind of been distracted, but that's all done now. I'm now a married man. I wouldn't go as far as happily married man, but we'll get there one day. Um, So, we're back. We're going to be catching up on everything we've missed over the last four, three months. Something a, a long time. Um, so yeah, Matt, what's happened, apart from the wedding, what's been happening with you? Uh, nothing. Nothing's been happening for me. It's literally just been wedding, wedding, wedding for the last sort of few months, and then I guess we just needed a couple of weeks or a month, as it ended up being, just to kind of recuperate. Yeah, the honeymoon period, as it were. Um, so yeah, that's... Not for me, I just needed hangover recovery time, I guess. Yeah, there was a lot of drinking involved. Um, but we're not here for that. We're here for uh, yeah. You don't want to hear about Ollie's happiness and love and shit. You want to hear us talk bollocks, as so, as we do. So the first thing, the major thing that happened while we were gone, uh, and that is that Disney fired James Gunn. Yeah, yeah, that was a whole thing, wasn't it? Um, so we know we're very late to the party with this, but we wanted to throw our two cents in, and we're... there's been some recent developments as well. Yes, Re- as recent as yesterday, actually, as we record. Um, so we'll, we'll go into that afterwards. But first things, uh, we've got to talk about it. Guardians is ruined. Guardians is done. Uh, well, Guardians of the Galaxy Three has been put on a uh, permanent hold uh, while Disney figure out what the fuck they want to do with it. Um, Which will be nothing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, James Gunn was fired following the resurfacing of some tweets he made, I I think in 2008, 2009. Yeah, the the era where everyone wanted to be a Twitter comedian. Um, And everyone was edgy. uh, These tweets came out. uh, The internet went up in arms. Disney fired James Gunn. Uh, The entire cast of... Uh, Guardians, Guardians 2, Guardians 3, every major star who's ever been in it uh, signed a petition to uh, to Disney uh, to reinstate him. Uh, Disney held firm. Uh, they've thrown James Gunn's script out. Dave Bautista, who plays Drax, has all but confirmed he's walking. Um, and actually, as of yesterday, James Gunn has signed up with DC. So he's actually just defected. Yeah. Um, he'll be involved in some capacity in the new... Um, Suicide Squad uh, sequel. Suicide Squad sequel. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess we just want to let we just want to talk about what we think about it because we haven't really had a chance to. Um, I guess starting with whether or not he should actually have been fired in the first place for what he did. Um, I'm completely torn on this one because what he did was not worth losing his job and potentially losing Disney billions and billions of dollars over but i will also see where disney were coming from because disney are the only studio on the planet that actually have a brand yeah disney have their own brand yeah. and it comes with its own set of um yeah, disney are unique in that um if you for example uh you can't use the phrase like oh it's a universal film no it's a warner brothers film but if you say uh, oh it's a disney film then to an extent you know what you expect it's got um, to be kid friendly Exactly. Disney have kind of 
built their entire empire on that yeah. set of expectations. So given the context of the tweets, I get where Disney were coming from. Yeah, but... It's not a family-friendly image, is it? It's not a family-friendly image. Um, I'm sort of leaning more towards the no, it wasn't right. Uh, again, I understand why they did it. They've got a brand to protect. Um, in, in terms of what James Gunn was actually fired for, I just don't think the jokes were that offensive, really. Uh, people are reading sort of, you know, paedophilia into these jokes. Uh, yeah. There was a joke he made about uh, he was in a motel and the shower was like a three-year-old pissing on his head. That's not inherently paedophilic, you know? No, it... Somebody's read paedophilia into that. Um, and and that's where I think it's a bit dicey. It, it does make me think that maybe there was an underlying problem between Disney and James Gunn. Mm. That this was just their excuse to get rid of him more than... But I don't want to say that about... I think an outright firing... Uh, yeah, I could understand a warning or something. I think an outright firing is a... A, a, a step too far maybe yeah um, I guess this is the first thing like this that Disney have had to deal with yes and they have they, yeah they have they have to set a precedent by acting and what's been shown with the Star Wars franchise is they are very controlling over their properties yes yes they and they are. will not let anyone do anything with them uh, so yeah uh, it I'm worried about Guardians. I I can honestly see Disney giving it to take a YTC now, though. I would be open to that. I mean, it's it's a shame that James Gunn has left, obviously. Yeah. The, 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 he was responsible for the original Guardians film, which set in motion a shift in tone that affected the entire um, MCU. Yeah. Um... But I think the only person that could kind of replicate the the silliness would be Taker. Would be Taker, who did the same thing with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I, I can I, I can see that's the safe place to go with it. Um... Because I don't at this point I don't think it's I as I said I am not quite sure they were right to fire him in the first place. No. But I definitely think it's the wrong decision to rehire him. Uh, as I said a minute ago, Disney have set a precedent. Yeah. By uh, they've by sort of um, by firing James Gunn, they've made it very clear that any sort of behaviour like that is not um, tolerated under their banner, and to go back on it um, so abruptly and so completely uh, would undermine that decision. Uh, it would undermine all the future decisions they made as well, and it would undermine the very brand that they're um, trying to build as well. I agree with you, but I will say. If it was Robert Downey Jr. who made these tweets, there's no way Disney fires him. No, absolutely not. It's like um, all the Russo brothers. Yeah. There's there's a, there's like a certain level of rank within the MCU. Yeah. And James Gunn is probably second tier, and yeah. that's probably why this got him. Exactly. Um, obviously, there's no official word on it, but um, yeah, maybe maybe there was something going on underlying, and maybe yeah. this was an excuse. But anyway, um, the good news is uh, he's arguably gone to a property which I think he would is better fitted for, um, and that desperately needs him more than Guardian. Yeah, he's now taking over Suicide Squad, um, either to write it and direct it, or just write it. We can't be bothered to Google that, so we're just gonna say that no one knows. Um, so yeah, he's been given Suicide Squad. Uh, I 
don't know if even he can save this property. Yeah, if anyone can, he can. Uh, look at what he did with uh, Guardians. Yeah. Um, a, a, a revolution that it was in the MCU at the time. What are, what are they? I know this is completely off topic, but it's kind of a segue into it. I'm going to talk about. What do you reckon DC are going to do with the Joker now? Because of course they've got. Jared Leto, who is the Joker, but now they're also introducing Joaquin Phoenix, and it's... Yeah, I've no idea. Um, it would make sense just to leave him out of this Suicide Squad film completely, Yeah, I think. Um, because I don't know what the story is with Joaquin Phoenix as Joker and where exactly he fits into any of it. A lot of people have been saying that this is maybe um, like confirming that Jared Leto is actually Jason Todd. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Because um, they obviously teased Jason Todd's death in Batman vs Superman. I think it was. Yeah, it? they had the um, the Robin suit. Yeah, with the uh, spray on it. Yeah. Um, so we don't. So it might be that this Jared lead it, but then why does he have the relationship with Harley? Uh, it's that it, it. To be honest, they might just reboot. In fact, I think DC are going to do a soft reboot anyway. Uh, judging by the what we've seen of Aquaman. Yeah, there are there are so many questions being asked. I don't. I. I almost feel like answering none of them rather than some of them. Some of them um, would probably be the right way to go. Just reboot it. You've got you've got Wonder Woman. She works. Aquaman's probably going to be fine. Uh, I can't imagine Joaquin Phoenix not being a good Joker, uh, especially considering Martin Scorsese's having something to do with the film. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, and they've got Shazam, who's not going to fit into the current DC universe at all. No. So they probably have, might have to reboot that, and they could start that with a James Gunn-style Suicide Squad movie. Um, but yeah, I it's it's all. I suppose the cast is quite comedic, isn't it? Actually, now mm. I come to think of it, you've got Will Smith, who's arguably like he can act, like very seriously. But I see him more as a comedic actor. Yeah. Margot Robbie can do pretty much anything you ask her to do. She's just insane at acting. <laughs> um, and then who's uh, and then Jai Courtney's only ever good role. Yeah. And he was because his comedic timing was good. Yeah. So they there is, they can turn this into a like not a comedy but. A bit more lighthearted. Maybe humour that won't fall quite as flat as yeah. the first did. Um, yeah, it was very painful, the first one. It was very... <laughs> painful is the word. Suicide Squad is the perfect film if you've never fully understood what people mean by studio interference. Yeah. Because that there's a good movie in there. It's just... <laughs> it's have... just been beaten back into submission. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's uh, the Suicide Squad news. I, I guess. I guess the other thing to talk about is where does Guardians go from here? It's dead. Um, Guardians is dead. I just well, as as I said earlier, the entire cast have signed a petition to get James Gunn back on the um, back in the directing role. Um, the fact that they've all done that, the fact that they're so openly in support of James Gunn, and I guess by default standing against Disney Marvel, yeah, um, implies that a third film at this point um, would be a formality rather than a film. And if that's going to be the case, I'd rather they just not do it. Yeah, I wouldn't. They can, because they can, I suppose they can't, because they've already shot Infinity War. I was going to say they could make it so Infinity War means that they can't come back. I don't know if, I don't know how openly we can talk about the ending. And we must be past spoilers for Infinity War, mightn't we? I mean, yeah, probably, I mean, almost definitely. Well, yeah. if not, spoiler warning for the end of Infinity War for the next 30 seconds. There's not many of them left. No, there's Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. And that's kind of it yeah so there's could... a big fan fan theory about him actually because he he i think he's the only one alive that had, didn't meet thanos but actually hmm. so maybe he's important 
I don't know. But yeah, they can easily just not bring them back, couldn't they? Because, I mean, it's easy for them to not bring Gamora back. She's the easiest one to not bring back. Yeah. Because she didn't die in the snap. No. So they could easily have that, and I suppose they could The problem just... with that is how would they explain how the Guardians can't come back, but everyone else who died can? Well, maybe they can, but maybe the death of Gamora breaks them, and that's how they, don't, they, they just dissolve, and that's how you can get rid of them. I'm just thinking because I don't want I don't want a Guardians movie not directed by James Gunn. No, no. I want them to just like the franchise just kill it. Yeah. It's maybe maybe have them play their role in Infinity War, whatever that role will end up being, yeah. and then just leave them. Um, especially um, obviously with Dave Bautista, who has all but confirmed he's walking now. Yeah, I think um, he's got... he said he was going to walk if uh, Marvel abandoned James Gunn's script. And, and then, like then they abandoned later. his script. Yeah, a uh, week he's later. been very vocal, saying <coughs> that he'd stay for that he'd see out Infinity War, and then obviously with James Gunn um, announcing his sort of new partnership with DC, uh, Dave Bautista has expressed very open interest that he wants to go and um, kind of jump on that kind of that ship almost. Um, I think there's a rumor that he'll be playing Bane. I do like that. In the new Suicide Squad film, I'm incredibly open to that. Yeah, that does sound like a very, very um, good idea. Yeah, he's, Dave Bautista's proven that he can do um, stupid, cartoony... Yeah, uh, even top villains. Yeah, I guess almost like a Batman and Robin Bane. Is he... he I suppose he... <coughs> no, he played the villain in um, Thingy pretty well, didn't he? Bond. <coughs> Matt's dying, sorry, I'll edit this out. Yeah, but just make a timestamp. Uh, like it's um, yeah, he played the villain in S- not Skyfall, Spectre, um, and he was a stereotypical Bond villain with the uh, uh, I think he had a, g- a gun with two barrels. Yeah, I think he, the only words he said in those in that film were "oh shit," I think. <laughs> so he he, I mean, he could make a good Bane. Uh, I don't want to say anything bad about Dave Bautista, but I don't know if he could maybe portray the intellectual side of Bane. Uh, no, that's why I said Batman and Robin yeah. uh, just kind of mind-corrupted by Venom um, sort of Bane. Crazy Rob- Bane. Yeah. But not, like, the the only man that can beat Batman intellectually and physically. Yeah. Maybe physically. Because, I mean, with the rumours with Jake Gyllenhaal being Batman, I reckon D. Dave Bautista could beat up Jake Gyllenhaal pretty easily. Uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, we're, we're rambling, which is the one thing we said we were going to ignore. With yeah, our... we tried to make a conscious effort to not be our normal rambly selves, and we've already rambled. Okay, so long. we're moving on. We're going to keep things fresh. We're going to move on to the next thing, and that is Spider-Man. Um, if you uh, if you haven't uh, ever played this game, go and buy yourself a PS4. Go and buy Spider-Man. You can thank me later. It's fully worth the price of a PlayStation on its own. Um, this is the greatest superhero game ever made. Uh taken the title of Batman Arkham Asylum uh, it's just fun and if you want to just well a proof of how fun this game is it is one of um, only 5% of games I think that have um, platinum ratings of over 75% so that shows you how many people are just 100%ing this game because you just want to keep playing it yeah, um, No. Um... Matthew any thoughts? <laughs> I was expecting this game to be good, yeah. and it was fucking excellent. Yeah, which is really nice. Um, it's always nice when something exceeds your expectations, and you just are able to get caught up in it. Um, 
I I would go so far as to say potentially, were it not for that one cowboy game by Rockstar coming out, yeah. this might be a game of the year candidate. Um, I think it might still be up there because I'm going to love Red Dead. I'm going to play more hours of Red Dead than I probably ever put into a video game ever. But I don't think I'll ever have as much fun in Red Dead as I do in Spider Man. No, and again, um, inherently, I, I expected Spider Man to be good. It yeah. was great. That was awesome. I expect Red Dead to be damn near perfect. Um, oh, yeah. And the problem with that is, if it is, all it's doing is meeting my expectations. I don't have that kind of surprise of, wow, this is actually really fucking good. I'm sorry to say, Matt, but I know it's probably a bit biased, but there's no chance if it's good. It's going to be the greatest. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be something special, and we'll probably have an episode where we just gush about it it's going to be Red Dead I know we're not talking we're talking about Spider-Man here but Red Dead is going to be the video game that changes video games like, as, as Rockstar have done so many times now with um, every game they've ever released yeah. basically it's like god damn those guys they are good um, yeah so Spider-Man yeah um, really really liked it yeah uh, the story was really good the story campaign was really good uh, they didn't bother with the Peter Parker origin story that a lot of um, a, a lot of iterations of Spider-Man have um, gone for straight away. Yeah, which is annoying. Yeah. Um, it's just it's fun, and the acting is incredible. Like the yeah, voice the acting, acting performance, the mocap is really really good. Um, One of the smoothest games I've played in a long time as well. And I yeah. I, did, I, did, I I didn't play it on the Pro. I played it on the base PS4, and I was still I still never dropped below thirty frames a second. No, it's... it was. Not not very glitchy either, actually. No. It was a very well put together game. And um, obviously, the, one of the bigger worries for the game uh, was going to be how the, the the web swinging itself worked. Um, it's it's really good. The web web swinging is excellent. Uh, there's a meme going around actually at the minute of um, uh, so it would have like oh Spider Man on PS4, and then it would have like a, a screenshot of the PS4 game with you swinging sort of through rooftops. And it would say Spider-Man on Xbox One, and it was a screenshot from the Lego Spider, um, the Lego Movie, um, Lego, Lego Spider Marvel, yeah. Lego Marvel, um, as you just say, swing around on a rope with studs on it. Um, no, it's really good. Uh, the combat's, uh, I, I don't know what to call this combat system besides Arkham. Arkham, but brute, Arkham, but hard. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like you know, in Arkham, you can just like the second you get a combo of like five or above you are pretty much unbeatable and you can't get hit and you can't get taken down this game you get hit you die yeah it's like uh, it's very easy to get caught up in a in a mob in this game um even in the late game you can get one-shotted by a sniper rifle because uh, obviously spider-man isn't bulletproof no and i like that they left that in yeah um yeah the combat system itself pairs very nicely with obviously spider-man's more athletic um fighting style Mm. um flippy shit as I was calling it repeatedly. Yeah. Um, it's just aesthetically really nice. Um, it is. It, there's some fantastic attention to detail in the game as well. Um, there are loads of Easter eggs, uh, yes. references, collectibles that reference different um, iterations of Spider-Man. I think one of the movies is referenced at one point. Um, well, the, you can the get the that, Homecoming suit. Yeah, and you can... Um, one of the collectibles, I think, are the glasses that... Um, uh, Toby Maguire's Spider-Man used to wear oh, like free yeah. bite um, there's references there's loads of different suits you can get uh, referencing sort of um, 
uh, Fear Itself, The Last Stand, uh, Homecoming. Ben Riley. Uh, yeah. Which is my favourite. You, yeah. you can put the Scarlet Spider on and just not. Spider Punk. Spider Punk, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the um, Ghost Spider. Yeah. Uh, I actually had to look that one up because I was so fucking confused as to why suddenly I was a ghost swinging around. And I, th- I, I think the most important thing that Insomniac, sorry, we should mention this was made by Insomniac, Ratchet and Clank guys. Yeah. Uh, what is it? They did Sunset Overdrive as well, didn't they? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, um, but they. One and thing I believe Spyro as well. Oh, were they Spyro? The, the original Spyro trilogy on PS One. Oh wow! They I think got... that was them. They've uh, done some pretty good stuff in their history. Yeah. No, it was them because. Um, yeah, Spyro was rival to Crash, and then the Jack and Daxter that Naughty Dog did. Uh, and the the Naughty Dog and Insomniac used to be like the Marvel DC of uh, early consoles. Oh, I probably at the moment I'd probably give it to Insomniac because of Spyro. No, 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 because I preferred Spyro to Crash, and I I never played Jack and Daxter, I only ever played Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, that was fair. Um, and Spider Man Two was a lot better than Uncharted. No, Spider Man was a lot better than Uncharted Four. Yeah. So, but anyway. So are a lot of things, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, the most important thing that Insomniac have done with this game is they've basically recreated the Spider-Man suit, and I feel like they've influenced where Spider-Man's going to go, because the suit they create called the White Spider is it's instantly iconic. It's, it's just the Spider-Man suit, but instead of the spider being black, it's white, and for some reason that just instantly makes it look so much cooler. Mm. And I, do, I can honestly see, because this game was tied with Marvel like it was written by Marvel comic uh, studio like whatever they're called um, and then just made by Insomniac and I feel like Marvel will make the white spider a costume at some point in the comic books because yeah. it's just it's brilliantly looking like yeah. it's yeah but there's also all the classic suits and you can there's even a comic book suit where you are shell shaded and your special ability is to quip and it's that's that just... I mean it is a useless ability uh, just to throw out a joke halfway through combat, and yeah, it's the one I spent most of my playtime yeah. um, having it equipped. It's still my Spider-Man's special ability. Um, but anyway, so that's the game. Uh, we we've given it a rough review. We're going to talk a little bit about spoilers now. So the net, if you don't want spoilers for the game, I'd probably skip about five ten minutes into the uh, future, which we'll meet you there. Um, and because I've got I've got some problems with the storyline, I've got some problems with some of the characters. Uh, there's there's one moment in particular I want to mention. Um, yeah, as well, a, um, which is just the end of the game. <laughs> so. so we'll get right into it. Um, the first thing I want to mention is that we were right about Doc Ock. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, we were. Um, I, which I, I believe we called it actually. Yeah, we did. Uh, there's another instance later on in the episode where we accidentally predicted the future as well. Yeah, uh, that's um, quite exciting. But anyway, yeah, so Doc Ock is the main villain. That's not really a spoiler, because you literally meet him in, like, the second level of the game. Um, but he looks awful. He's just... Uh, if you ever, He looks like the next-door neighbour from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. He's just a fat, balding man. So, you know, the Christmas parties where your family reunite, and there's always the one uncle who sits in the corner drinking the whiskey and kicking the pets. Yeah, uh, that's that's what Otto Octavius looks like in this game. Um, he has an actual comb over. He, he actually has a comb over, which just and he's got the most like uh, bulging uh, double chin. Yeah, and just a little as he talks, little portly body. And just seeing him ride, ride around on the the metal tentacles is just is glorious, but also really fucking dumb. Yeah, um, but yeah, and and. It's just he's a good he's a compelling villain because it's not very it's not very often in a video game that you get an origin story of a villain. Um, 
and you do in this one because it's the origin story of Dr. Octavius. Um, and they did a really, really good job of, first of all, you can find out that he's going to go evil straight away if you just snoop around the lab. Because, um, like, you could literally, the second you walk into the lab, you can go over to the 3D printer and he's printing Rhino's armor. It's just there from the beginning, it's just not referenced. Um, so, and they, they do, they, I, I did buy his slow descent into madness. Like, it, they, they wrote, they almost made Doc Ock a, well, he's always been a sympathetic character, but they, they were just shy of making me fully care about him. I feel like one more interaction between Peter and Octavius before he changed maybe would have. Yeah, I, I think it was a bit, a bit rushed. Mm. Um, it's just the nature of it being in a video game. Um, and especially considering the entire game takes place over like three days. Yeah. Like it. Um, they they play it off as the neural implant he uses to control the arms uh, affects his personality, um, but. As you said a minute ago, um, he's been aiding villains from the very start of the game when he was supposed to be sound of mind. Yeah, it doesn't quite make sense. It, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't all line up properly. No. Um, but yeah, by by the end, he was believably um, insane. Um, yes. The fact that he knew from the beginning that Peter Parker was actually Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, it was a nice little twist for Peter Parker as well. It was really it no it was a really really well written game and I've got to give it that um, some of the villain designs I didn't like but we have to talk about that most importantly Shocker looks terrible yeah so the idea is that all it's um, the villains outfits are very uh, loosely based on their classic uh, outfits um, but augmented by uh, Doctor Octopus um, uh, sort of cybernetically yeah um, which yeah does give them. Uh, some of the some of the redesigns I like. I like the way Scorpion looks because it's a full suit rather yeah. than uh, augmentations. Um, Rhino looked a bit silly. Yeah. Shocker, I think, suffered the most. Um, Vulture looked good. Actually. Vul Vulture oh, looks awesome. I've got to admit, Vulture looked really good. Electro. I like the fact that they referenced his original stupid. Uh, if you look at the facial scarring that Electro has in his redesign. Um, it lines up with the shape of the sort of classic lightning bolt mask he wears. I like that they reference that, and I understand that a mask like that would just look really dumb with yeah. the uh, uh, with the aesthetic they were going for. I would like to know the opinion on this game of someone who doesn't know Spider-Man lore, because at no point does it handhold. At no point does it explain who these villains are. No, and what it they're doesn't. It's just like here's the Rhino, here's Shocker. You know who they are. Yeah. Like, and you'll just have like throwaway comments when you're sort of exploring um, where Spider-Man will just go, oh yeah, I fought Electro hundreds yeah. of times. And maybe, yeah, maybe to someone... But I feel like there's a lot enough fan service in, the, in this game um, that makes me believe it is just made for yeah. people who already know... Uh, yeah, know about Spider-Man. And there's on. not... Apart from maybe Scorpion, <laughs> there's not really a villain that isn't really well known in the mainstream because of the movies. Yeah. You've had Electro in a movie, you've had you kind of had Shocker in Homecoming. You had Rhino. Rhino was had, teased. We've had Doc Ock. Uh we, we haven't had Mr. Negative to the point where I thought he was a new villain invented I, for this game. I had to look it up as well, actually. I um, thought yeah, and he was an insomniac creation, but he's not. Yeah. Um but they did slightly ruin him, I feel like, because he doesn't you don't doesn't reveal who he is until about halfway through the game, 
but it does because there's the character that he is the second you see them you go oh that's him because that he's just a negative version of himself yeah um so they didn't really hide that very well maybe they should have kept uh, mr negative out of the pre-release material and then that that twist might have actually meant something yeah um anything else we need to talk about this game oh yeah miles morales is a thing yeah, uh, Miles Morales is not only in the game, but during the duration of the story, actually gets uh, powers. Yeah. Um, so Miles Morales now exists <coughs> as Spider-Man um, in this uh, universe. Yeah. The so, same universe as Peter Parker. Yeah, they're both Spider-Man. Uh, we don't get much of it. We literally just get the final uh, reveal of his powers. We spend a lot of time playing as Miles and Mary Jane in... The only downside to this game. Yeah. Do you want to take this one? Um, so, I have never had a problem with stealth in video games, as long as it's correctly implemented. And not forced. And not forced. Uh, there are several sections in the game, uh, some as uh, Miles Morales, yeah. Mary Jane. Uh, I do think it's nice you get to play as them. As I do, side. but I just wish they did more with them. Yeah. Uh, all of their segments were pretty much identical. Yeah. Um, uh, there are a couple of story missions where stealth is forced on you. You have to be stealthy. Um, stealth is not properly implemented. implemented in any of the mechanics, the combat mechanics, the um, movement mechanics. So many times I've tried to zip from uh, a ledge to another and ended up... Um, locking onto the floor and just jumping down in the middle of a group of enemies who all turn around and shoot me yeah immediately um yeah really kind of took me out of it um it's i didn't feel like i was accomplishing anything playing the stealth i felt like i was fighting against the game's own mechanics yeah um which is not what i want to feel when i play a video game you know i don't want to sit there going god i hope the game doesn't fuck me over again no well it's insomniac have created momentum and movement better than any game I've ever played. Like, with the web swinging and the fighting, you can build up momentum, the movement is all fluid. Spider-Man jumps around, but it's not like Batman, where he can seem to like be able to defy human physics. Like, if he's jumping too far, he'll web swing. and They've, they've created that, and then they just go, nope, now you've got to crawl through an air, air duct and not get seen. And it's like, no, just let me punch people. Yeah. I, uh, building this fantastic combat engine and then banning us from using it. Yeah. Uh, is a bit confusing. Now, I realise, obviously, it's an open-world combat game. Stealth is pretty much a given. Um, I just wish it was better implemented. Yeah. That's Even a, just a crouch button would come in so handy. <coughs> um, but, so, Matt, what's the one thing you want to talk about? Uh, so, I want to talk about, and I am going to be talking just about the very end of the game now, by the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've already sat through a few spoilers, so this shouldn't... We gave you a warning. Um, so I was caught a bit off guard by this. Um, at the end of the game, uh, Doc Ock releases a... What is it? It's a virus, isn't it? It's a... It's a... I do know this. It's a... Death's breath, it's, it's it, called. It's a... It was invented to rewrite cellular uh, like DNA so that he could help fight genetic diseases but it doesn't know the difference between healthy and non-healthy cells so it just starts breaking down all of your cells yeah uh, so that was released on the city yeah uh, Aunt May gets infected with it straight away straight away um, 
and then towards the end of the game, Peter Parker is given the choice of either uh, he obtains the only sample for the cure uh, for Death's Breath, and he's either told he can save Aunt May or allow the cure to be uh, replicated so that more of it can be synthesised and save the entire city. Um, obviously, he chooses option B. Um, and then Aunt May dies. Yeah. That was an incredibly ballsy move. I loved it, though. Uh, they've only ever attempted to kill Aunt May the once, I think. Um, and there was such an outcry about it that... Uh, this is in the comics. Um, and there was such an outcry about it that they actually went back on it. And I think it was that she was like a spy or something. And there was a body double that faked her death or something like that. Um, but that's the lengths they had to go to, to to double back on it because it was so many people were so outraged by it yeah um so to have it happen here and not only have it happen here but have so many people be uh, okay with it yeah. okay with how it happened um is a testament to to the writing in the game it's a testament to the story and the world building and the character building yeah uh, that it was such a um a, i was about to say nice it's not a nice moment but it's certainly an in, an, an impactful one it was a brilliant moment it was just because yeah, the, as we said, the voice acting and the mocap and everything in this game is 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 so good. And the the just yeah, Aunt May's death completely came out of nowhere and genuinely blindsided me. Yeah, I absolutely came out of left field. And it was because you she gets sick and you think, oh, you're gonna rescue her because you're Spider Man. He can save the day. He can save anyone. But no, and it was just it's means they can go a different direction with Peter Parker that he hasn't been taken before um, and arguably this moment needed to happen because we don't have Uncle Ben's death so we don't although we know it happened we don't have that moment that we personally feel as drives Spider-Man forward so they've kind of created Aunt May's death as this moment that's gonna send Spider-Man into the world but there is the argument of if Miles Morales is Spider-Man now are we sure that Peter Parker is gonna make it yeah, uh, that segues quite nicely into what happens next. Yeah. Um, there were several big villains uh, teased towards the end of the game. Uh, Harry Osborn is present throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, at one point you break into his office and you see uh, a prototype orange explosive grenades on a table. And a glider. And a glider. Um, so, Green Goblin's coming. So, we're going to get the Green Goblin, probably Spider-Man's most iconic villain. I'd Maybe say, yeah. next to Doc Ock. I, um, I, see, I'd say it's Venom or Green Goblin. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Venom, yep. uh, Harry Osborn, we're led to believe that he uh, is travelling, in Europe. in Europe. Uh, uh, he's becoming an environmental lawyer. And as the story progresses, we discover he's actually undergoing treatment for a medical condition that nobody can... Um, uh, nobody can diagnose properly yeah. uh, in a facility in Europe and then in the end game uh, it's revealed that uh, Harry Osborn is actually treating him in um, Oscorp, in Oscorp. Um, and he's, he's treating him using a black symbiote yeah, which or is some sort of organism uh, we don't know in this universe what its origin is we just know that we're going to be getting Harry Osborn as uh, um, yeah Harry Osborn as uh, Venom I assume it would be the ultimate where he was created instead yeah. of an alien yeah um, the fact that he is in a uh, laboratory environment yeah, yeah so, so we're going to get that uh, so we're going to have Miles Morales we're get, so I can't 
I honestly cannot see Peter surviving the next game. No, no. It, um, it might be a Red Dead Redemption sort of thing where Peter Parker dies and we assume control of Miles, um, Miles Morales, Morales yeah. which would be fine. Because Miles don't annoy me like Jack Marston fucking did. No, they wrote Miles really well actually. Mm. He was a because he was what fourteen in this universe. Uh, yes, yes. And he's not an annoying little kid. Yeah. He's actually a three-dimensional character, which yeah. is again the, purely down to the writing of this game, which yeah. is everyone is a three-dimensional character apart from the final thing we have to talk about, and that is that this game turned J. J. Jameson into Alex Jones. Oh, this, this. Everything we've just said is great, but this is my favourite thing about this game. Yep. So in this universe, J. Jonah Jameson has retired from the Daily Bugle and now runs a podcast where all he does is spout conspiracy theories about Spider-Man. Um, it's brilliant. The, he's he's the Spider-Man's turning the freaking frogs gay, Ollie. Yeah, this is my, my favourite one of these. Is uh, There's a mission where you help a homeless man catch pigeons. Um, it's one of the little fetch quests that all open world games have and everything like that and while you're doing it when you're chasing the final pigeon J. Jeremy Jensen will pop up and say like uh, we've had reports in that Spider-Man is catching pigeons now why could he be doing it and he goes I think I have an idea we've always been assuming that he is a man with spider powers what if he's a spider with human powers and he's eating them and I just like when he said that that broke me <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, there is an option to turn the podcast off, but why would you do that? You maniac. No, it is. You can't replay them though, which is really annoying. Yes, you can. What? I've never been able to find it. Yeah, in the um, in the uh, pause menu, there's like a, a section for um, like stuff you've collected and things. I knew the backpack. There's just a back catalogue of episodes. Oh, I'm gonna have to listen to all. Yeah. I need to find the third one again actually because I did not realise he said that. Yeah, it's just it's brilliant. Um, so I think that's uh everything. I'm just looking. Oh, we need. To Talk about they tease Mysterio and Lizard are around. Yeah, that's that's the biggest disappointment for me, Ollie. What the Mysterio isn't around. They refer to uh, the group of uh, it's Doctor Octopus, Scorpion, uh, Vulture, Electro, Rhino, uh, Rhino, and Mister Negative as the Sinister Six, which implies we're not getting Mysterio. Which is a shame, because if, if Mysterio is suited to any uh, medium of entertainment, it would be video games, where his ridiculousness would translate perfectly. Yeah. Well, it'd be very Scarecrow in Arkham, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be very sort of weird, um, uh, subversive, um, and humorous as well, because Mysterio is just a man yeah. who can do special effects. It would be, uh, this, but this game is going to... The sequel is one of those things where it's if, even if they just release the same game, it's still gonna be fantastic. Yeah. Like it's just this is the Spider-Man Two is no longer the greatest Spider-Man game. That's probably the best phrase you can give this. Yeah. It? Yeah. I mean, not that there's a particularly illustrious back catalogue. No, but Spider-Man Two was my favourite game on PS2, more so than San Andreas, and that's really yeah. That's that puts it in context of it. Yeah. San Andreas is beloved so. But um, I spent more time on Spider-Man because I was a comic book nerd as a kid. So just giving giving give me uh, the ability to swing around New York it was amazing. Yeah. So that's Spider-Man. For the love of God, if you've not played this game, go please, and play it. Please go and play it. It's it's genuinely uh, a landmark. Um, I think we could see more sort of um, mainstream comic book video game titles. Yeah. Um, if Batman Arkham, if the Ar Arkham series didn't jumpstart it, I, I think this year is hell good. Well, there's there is a Marvel online game coming out, I think. Um, so there is, I think, being made by Squenix. 
Yeah, I think it's a, uh, like a the answer to DC Online mm. more than anything. Um, but it I is. I, I've also um, apparently there's an Iron Man game in in development as well. Oh really? Something like that, or in the works at least, following the success of Spider-Man. Well, I know Warner Brothers are making another Batman game, uh, but it's not Rocksteady because Rocksteady are making a Superman game, which is rumored. It's Again, this is purely coming from internet sources, or probably Redditors, so it could be absolute bullshit. But apparently the Rocksteady Superman game is aiming to be a launch title for the next generation. Um, that's going to be bad, because time has proven one thing, and that is that you can't make a good Superman game. He's too overpowered. You need no. Uh, yeah, he's impossible to ground. Yeah, without just nerfing him, which is pointless, because then it's not Superman. No, exactly, exactly. Um, but anyway, so that was our two major topics that we missed. That was the thing we have the most notes for. That was what we wanted to, the main things we wanted to talk about in this episode. So we're going to go on to like little quickfire moments that we've missed uh, that, you know, we can talk about for a bit, but we don't know that much or we don't care about. Um, and the first one is that while we were off, uh, Iron 3, Iron 3, Iron Fist Season 3. Yes. Uh, happened. This actually came out the day before your wedding, uh, and I think because we were both a bit jittery, we just sat and power watched the entire season in a day. Yeah. While drinking an awful lot of whiskey. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's better than season one. It's better than season one, but that's pretty meaningless. It's better. I'd say better than the defenders. Yeah. Probably, I'd say it's on par with Punisher. Yeah, it's sort, sort of like, like a middling. A middling. Uh, yeah, yeah, sort of the middle of the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, I I I thought the plot was still a bit confusing, a bit uninteresting. Yeah. Um, they didn't learn their lesson from the feedback they received with Danny Rand's appearance in Luke Cage. He's still angsty Danny. Yeah. Um, he's and he's a bit annoying. Moping about everything. Uh, I think the main improvement is in the combat scenes. Yes. Um, leaps and bounds better. Actually, cool to watch this time, I think. Uh, with the exception, maybe, of the drunken master fight from season one. Um, but again, that's not Danny Rand fighting. No. <laughs> I thought I got enjoyment watching the drunken master. Um, but they've actually given uh, Finn Jones time to learn the combat. Yeah. Um, to choreograph it properly. And that definitely paid off, because it's genuinely uh, thrilling to watch the uh, combat now. It is probably worth mentioning that this scene is kind of not Iron Fist season two and is more Colleen Wing season one. Yeah. She's kind of, I think because as we can probably all agree, she was the best part of season one. Yeah, definitely. They pushed her almost directly into the forefront of this. Like she's, it's kind of more her story and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I don't want Iron Fist to fully disappear. Um, but I'm interested to see where they can go with maybe Colleen Wing if they do anything with her or if they just stop caring mm. because I'm close to with Marvel properties will stop at the moment to be fair oh it's worth mentioning that Typhoid Mary appeared which I wasn't expecting yeah uh, not really anything like the Typhoid Mary of uh, comic books um, but it was cool it was cool um sort of very psychological uh, split personalities and it was uh, there were subtle um, changes in um, sort of lighting and the scenes and everything when um, 
different personalities, uh, should we say, came out yeah. or manifested. It was, it was a very interesting take on how to do a character like that. Um, again, I'm finding it really, really, I'm genuinely struggling to remember much of what happened in either season three, the two. Yeah, it's, it, it, it was alright, like I said, it was just a bit unmem- unmemorable. Yeah. It just wasn't as interesting as some of the other seasons have been. Um, the villain annoyed me. Uh, Davos, yeah. the villain. Yeah. He really, really just like what? Um, so I think the main thing to talk about with this is how the season ended. Mm. Um, Captain Obvious here is going to say that this is a spoiler warning. It is. Uh, we are just going to discuss the ending. Um, it's if you've not seen anything online about it at the minute you've done quite well because it's been so divisive yeah um so yeah spoiler warning we are now going to discuss how the uh how season two of iron fist ended um what the fuck yeah what the fuck i'm not happy with it i'm very i'm very 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 not happy with it so throughout the season um danny and davos essentially ended up playing past the parcel with the Iron Fist. Yeah. Uh, they introduced the fact that you can steal the fist from somebody. Uh, with a weird And then it changes ritual. hands. Yeah. And then it changes hands multiple times. Um, uh, Colleen actually ends up with it. Yeah. Uh, so I guess Colleen is now the Iron Fist. Yeah. Um, we see her use a sword uh, that gets imbued with the power of the fist. But I thought the fist was a manifestation of chi. Sword chi. So how can it manifest itself in a in, in a sword? Okay, um, fun nerd question. Could Katana's sword from DC use the Iron Fist because it is embodied with the souls of its victims? That's a good question. It's not one we'd ever have to answer. No. But um, maybe it's a life force, isn't it? So, by Marvel's definition. There you go, that's the nerd question of the day. Um, <laughs> so, and then we see Danny. He's essentially become a vigilante now. Yeah. Which I don't understand. He was using... He, so, as far as we're aware, Danny Rand no longer has the power of the Iron Fist, but we see him use guns that have the power of the Iron Fist. Um, I was very confused by this, because I thought initially that they'd just given him the fist back as well as Colleen. Um, as it turns out, these are guns stolen from uh, Orson Randall, who is actually um, teased for season three, one of the earlier Iron Fists, um, who must still be knocking around, I guess. Yeah. Um, it was just a very confusing ending, and I'm not quite sure where that leaves Danny Rand as a character. I can only assume that he's going to become a secondary focus. Uh, now that he's not the Iron Fist anymore. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird way to. I mean. I just, I just find myself not caring to be honest. Like yeah. it's just kind of like I'll watch season three when it comes out. Uh, like I'll probably end up watching Daredevil season three. Uh, but I'm kind of not. I'm losing faith in these Marvels shows now because they're they're one of those things that like they're fun when you're watching them. But then you just, as I'm proving right now, can't remember anything that happened. Yeah, I think the answer is to keep them short. Yeah, uh, there hasn't been a season so far that hasn't had just an episode of filler. Mm. Um, with Luke Cage, it was like the second to last episode. Suddenly, drugs were a big problem. Then they were sorted. Uh, with the Punisher, it was the uh, side arc, side arc about um, 
the young guy who becomes a terrorist. Yeah. Um, that kind of took up a whole episode very near the end of the um, of the season. Um, I, I do think the answer is just shortening them a bit. Or splitting them like they did with Daredevil season two. So you have half of it's the story of the Punisher and half of it's Electra. Yeah. Um, that kind of worked although I did find they did that the wrong way around they should have started with Electra and gone to the Punisher because I after the Punisher Electra just bored the hell out of me yeah, um, yeah. but they could do that but I just I don't know if it's just me because I've never had any interest in the character but I just don't care about Iron Fist like I've never read any of his comic books or anything I don't really know anything about him but I just don't of the four he's certainly the hardest to get worked up about maybe that is because of I think he was the last uh, yeah. the last character to have a season um, he followed Jessica Jones season 1 which was great uh, Luke Cage season 1 which was you know it was good yeah uh, Daredevil season 1 Daredevil probably, season 2 yeah Daredevil season 2 like, up there as like the best seasons yeah um, but Luke Cage I feel pulled it back with his second season like Luke Cage season 1 was good but it wasn't anything to like get super hyped or special about. But then yeah, season two was amazing. Season two was fantastic. The, um, and Danny Rand hasn't had that yet. And I no, feel like if season three is that, I'll probably forget all of this and yeah. stop caring and I'll yeah. like the character. But so far he hasn't. I find myself more interested in his brother, to be honest. His, yeah. his brother's a way more interesting character. Yeah. Um, is he back in season two? I think he is. Yeah, because the sister's evil now for no reason. Yes, uh, sorry, you're referring to Ward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was with Danny at the end when Danny went like a weird cowboy vigilante mercenary. Yeah. Fucking, I don't know what they would. Yeah, Ward, is in, Ward interests me. Um, his sister being evil doesn't make sense. Not his sister, his best friend. Sorry, I'm getting really. And this is how much I don't care, <laughs> which is really bad, but yeah. It's, they put the original Iron Fist suits in, which is cool, though. Yeah, but don't have the suit and then not let Danny Rand wear it. Oh, actually, I have one complaint to make, and that is that there's this scene uh, about halfway through the series where they do the final trial between Davos and Danny Rand, where they're tied together and they have to fight until one of them either dies or submits. And about 30 seconds into the fight, they just cut through the string that's holding them together, and it's just like, if they can do that, what was the point of having it in the first place? What was the point in having it? Yeah. It's like, surely that means they should stop the fight, reattach at that point. Yeah, I thought it was there for a reason, and then they cut it up, and then just carried on fighting yeah. for days, and I was like, uh, right, okay. Um, but anyway, it was fine. It's, watch it if you're interested in Iron Fist, if you're not, I doubt you're going to miss much. It doesn't tie, I don't think it ties at all into the rest of the universe, apart from Misty Knight shows up, Yeah. who's becoming the new Claire. Yeah. Um, which I, I'm not opposed to because she's, no, she's a better character I, than Claire. I much prefer Misty Knight to Claire. I think she's been dumped by Luke Cage. Yeah. We could genuinely uh, not see her again. Yeah, which I wouldn't be opposed to. No, by the end of it, she was really annoying me. Just every appearance was just, oh, I've got a superhero friend. At least, Come and meet them. At least Misty makes sense because she's a police officer. Like, yeah. there's a reason for her to be going around all these different places in New York. Exactly. Um, but it's yeah. worth it's worth mentioning uh, as we did briefly a minute ago that the next season to come out will be Daredevil season three. Oh, it's quite soon as well. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the return of Wilson Fisk. Yay! Which is good. There were doubts that Vincent D'Onofrio yeah. uh, would actually return because his performance in season one was so stellar yeah. uh, that the uh, demand for his talent uh, kind of shot up. 
Uh, it's really great that he's managed um, that um, they've managed to get him to come back because Kingpin was a compelling villain. As I said a minute ago, Dead or Season One, probably the best Marvel Netflix series. That was Jessica Jones. That was Jessica Jones. Um, I, and I mean, Daredevil was up there purely because of Vincent D'Onofrio, yeah. just being the most compelling character. And I'd say Charlie Cox is probably the best actor out of the main four. Yeah. But then, not that the others are bad, it's just that, like, I feel like uh, my bias might be coming through because he's British, but I feel like he's, oh wait, Spin Jones British? I think she might be as well. But oh, yeah, I like Charlie Cox the best, also because he's in one of my favourite movies of all time, which is Stardust. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Um, so we're going to see the return of Kingpin. Um, Bullseye has been confirmed as a Wait, villain. this is audio. You're not going to see me do it. I just celebrate. Ollie just threw his hands up uh, to be happy. Um, I'm interested to see this. Bullseye's power is very weird, yeah. very comic booky. We have seen him in uh, the... Daredevil. Ben Affleck Daredevil film. Colin Farrell, wasn't it? Yeah. He was just having so much fun with that yeah, role. Yeah, we saw him just flick like a nut or something into this lady's throat so that she'd choke to death and stop talking and annoying him. Um, I hope I'm, he's like that. I'm very interested to see. I hope he is like that. Um, I forget his name, but the actor who they've got to play him uh, is great. I don't know who it is. I can Google it. Um, the other question uh, that Bullseye's presence um, brings up is uh, in, in, in comic book uh, history, um, Bullseye was the one that killed Karen Page. Uh, now, we haven't seen Karen Page for a few seasons of uh, Marvel, uh, so we have to ask the question of, is she going to survive? Um, uh, I don't care. <laughs> She's well, a boring character. She is a boring life. character, but it would be an interesting development for Daredevil, especially with all of the promotional material there, teasing some sort of uh, conclusiveness, uh, maybe to the Marvel Netflix universe, maybe to Daredevil, um, maybe to this iteration of Daredevil. I don't know, but um, I can't find his name. But I'm sure he's an interesting actor. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, Karen. Uh, um, she she uh, she was at her most interesting in The Punisher. Yeah, and. If she dies in Daredevil, that will be the only injustice. Maybe we could see the Punisher come back yeah, to Daredevil. That would be quite cool. I like John Byrne. Somewhat unlikely with the Punisher season two dropping so soon as well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if they killed her, but I kind of feel like um, it might just be because we haven't had a Daredevil season in so long that I and that I don't care about her because not that. It's not that I don't care about her. It's just that she is very, apart from the Punisher, where she was very interesting. She has a very little to do outside of Daredevil, and the whole like kind of romance she has with uh, what's his name, Bolt, uh, Blind Man. What? Sorry. No, uh, Murdoch. Oh, uh, Matt Murdoch. Yeah, yeah, Matt Murdoch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she had. That's true. Oh God, that's bad, isn't it? I've forgotten his name. Um, but their relationship. If they do something in season three, it could be quite interesting because I think technically she thinks he's dead. I think they yeah. all they all do. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting reveal actually because yeah, following the defenders, they all just think he's dead. Yeah, and that's why Danny Rand has kind of tried to take up his mantle. I think yeah. it was part of the, the point yes, of season three. Yes, the opening the opening uh, scene of season two saw Danny Ma- da- um, Danny Rand doing what he promised. Um, yeah, Matt Murdock he'd do, 
and watch over the city. It, it was, was no, uh, Daredevil season three. I'm interested. Uh, I'd like to see how they deal with his mother in the nun place. What, what's a nun place called? Nunnery. Nunnery. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Um, so that would be quite interesting. But I am getting a little bit fatigued with these kind of shows at the moment. Yeah. It's and I do I do think the answer is shortening them. Yeah. Um, compacting them, staggering their releases a bit more, rather than dumping thirteen hours of TV on us in one go. Yeah. Um, even if they just do that. Stagger the release rather than releasing it all in six one and go. Six would make it easier to absorb. Six and six would be good. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want it if it's every week because that's thirteen weeks I have to commit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I'd much rather just binge watch six episodes in a day and wait like six months and then watch the next. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm interested, but I'm also very fatigued with just Mar- Marvel properties in general at the moment. I feel like apart from Spider Man because it was a video game, it was such a breath of fresh air. Like. I watched the Captain Marvel trailer and I don't care because it's just like this is just the same movie that you've made hundreds of times yeah, before. Apart from I'm unfortunately finding the same thing. Um, I guess it's just fatigue from Infinity War. Yeah. Everything seems a bit kind of mediocre in comparison. After not even mediocre, just kind of less monumental. Yeah. Less of a of a spectacle. And oh, that's the other thing we should probably mention. I think Iron Fist. Season 2 and Daredevil Season 3 prove completely that this is no longer in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, they've, comp- they've been trying to distance it themselves from that for quite a while now, and I think that now that they're not even mentioning what happened, I feel yeah. like it's just, no, it's not in the same universe anymore. No. Uh, I guess speaking of the MCU... Well, we're uh, getting good at these segues. I want to t- <laughs> touch briefly on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, just because I feel like I should, really. I didn't watch it. It was a film. It happened. It's like the first. It was a fun watch. Wasn't all that consequential in the end. Um, the Marvel humour is played very strongly. The first one was quite a funny film. This one was a funny film as well. Yeah. Is it the same director or is it another one? I couldn't tell you. Okay, Because it was meant to be Edgar Wright, wasn't it? But then, yeah. Um. But nice to see Lawrence Fishburne as Goliath. Uh, there's a, there's what? Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne is in the film. Oh, He's Goliath. Brilliant. Uh, him and Ant-Man have a thing about comparing sizes, quote-unquote, who's the biggest. Oh, my God. Um, uh, Paul Rudd's an enjoyable character. He's, uh, he's, he's love fun to watch as Ant-Man. Um, I like that we accidentally guessed the, gig, the ending correctly. Um, We're real think, journalists, guys. I think we referred to this a few weeks ago. Um we thought it would be really funny if and again spoiler warning yeah. uh, we thought it would be really funny if right at the end of the film uh, the main cast all turned to dust as a result of Infinity War yeah. uh, there was a post credit scene where Ant-Man was in the um, negative no not the negative zone the microverse he's really small he's atomic he's nanoverse gambling. something like that something like that uh, and he gets stuck there because uh, Michael Douglas as uh, Hank Pym, uh, the Wasp, and um, Hank Pym's wife, who was originally stuck in the um, tiny world, in, in the tiny world, um, all turned to dust. Yay! What about like, Michael Pena? Is he still around? Uh, I, we're not shown. Oh, uh, Michael Pena. You better not. That would be too terrifying. I, we can't lose Michael Pena. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we accidentally predicted it correctly. They actually turned everyone to dust, which is ballsy, but it doesn't. 
we were promised an explanation as to what the fuck these characters were doing while Thanos was rampaging across the planet. We weren't given that because this film, because the snap occurs in the post credits of the film, Ant Man runs in parallel. Yeah. With um. With Infinity War, which can only mean that while they were pissing around in the tiny world, Thanos was. Uh, Thanos was in Wakanda tearing everybody to pieces it doesn't it explains where they will be uh, for Infinity War Part 2 but not where they were but it doesn't explain what they were doing uh, again not that Ant-Man could have done much to help no not that any of the characters wait, what, wait, could wait what if Ant-Man climbed inside the gauntlet and then expanded himself Part 2 confirmed um, oh, that's worth mentioning as well. Uh, the title for the second part of Infinity War has all but been confirmed. Uh, it was teased um, in an Instagram post by the Russo brothers. Uh, sort of the way the objects in the background of this picture were laid out, uh, you could trace it, and it would spell the word Endgame. And then Mark Ruffalo kind of. And then Mark Ruffalo ruined all the cryptic nonsense by just coming out and spoiling it anyway. He didn't do it on purpose, he just slipped up in an interview. Uh, I think between him and um, Tom Holland, they need to invest in some gags, I think. Um, because those guys are terrible at spoiling. I think the Tom Holland ones are all planned. I think they're all staged. Yeah. All the Tom Holland Instagram where he really holds yeah. up the script and it says the name. I feel like that's so... Because he'd be fired if he'd done that in real. Yeah. I feel like those are staged releases where I think this Mark Ruffalo one, he was he was in on an interview show and I think he, he said it under his breath, he slipped up, he tried to take it back and he couldn't because we live in a world now where once something's out there... It's out there forever. Yeah. Um, I, do, I feel sorry for him. The Russo brothers are a bit pissed. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess understandably so. Yeah. Uh, Infinity War has been their baby for... Um, well, for, well, all this time. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's worth asking what was wrong with Infinity War Part Two. We know what the film's going to be. We've known from the start what. I don't see there being any sort of benefit like that in changing the title. No. Um, I guess it was just to give it a bit more significance than just oh, it's a continuation. Yeah. Or maybe it implies that things are gonna really be shaken up um, obviously uh, Endgame I suppose is a reference to Doctor Strange saying we're in the Endgame now um, I see my problem with it is when if you call it Infinity War and Infinity War Part 2 they're like an enclosed story whereas if you call it Infinity War and Endgame it kind of implies that they will be able to stand alone as two separate films and yeah. I'm not sure they will no it won't because um, yeah an outsider is going to watch Infinity War Endgame and then wonder what where all the characters are and why they're all crying and yeah. why Iron Man's stuck on Titan. And it's not like calling it part two would just like stop people from coming to see it because I'm pretty sure everyone in Sorry Infinity War. Like, yeah. This is a movie that... It's transcended its own kind yeah. of uh, art form. It's, it's, it's an event now. No, no one's going to be jumping into Endgame going, this is my first Marvel movie. Yeah, like, no, nobody. I do know a few people who... Um, Infinity War was their first movie. I imagine that was fun, because yeah. it does not have a handhold at all, does it? No, it doesn't. Hey, all these cool characters. Oh, well, half of them are dead now. Yeah. Uh, we, we should probably move on, though, because we, we always seem to end up talking about Infinity War. It seems to be our go-to. It's a goddamn curse. Yeah. Um, so, next topic. X-Men's still a thing. Next topic. Um, no. I, I, I really don't have very much to say about it. No. So, we've got a trailer for Dark Phoenix. Um, 
they're actually fucking going ahead with it. They're actually trying to condense the mess that was the Dark Phoenix saga into one film. Yeah. Not even um, a two-parter, just one film. Uh, Sophie Turner is Jean Grey. I don't like Sophie Turner. No. In in retrospect, actually, I'm not sure I like any of the actors that have come out of Game of Thrones. Um, I like outside the... of it, they don't seem to be able to play their own. Is it Maisie movie. Williams? Yes. Yes. The young girl, the yeah. youngest of the Stark children. Yeah. I don't watch Game of Thrones. I'm really sorry. Um, but yeah, I think she's all right. She's not great, but and well, Sean Bean. Is well, Sean Bean left at the end? Uh, yeah, halfway through season but one. Anyway. A bad word would never be said about Sean Bean. No, but um, the long-term actor- actors, actresses, um, they don't seem to be able to act outside no. of Game of Thrones. Uh, we see it most with uh, Emilia Clarke. Yeah. Who God knows we've moaned about her enough. She's amazing in Game of Thrones, from what I've seen. Um, but that would be because her character in Game of Thrones is an emotionless bitch. Yeah. Um, when you see her in, uh, for example, Solo, trying to actually emote, um, it just takes you out of it a bit. We have a hate. What well, we have an unjust hatred for this woman on this podcast. I mean, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Amelia. Yeah. But she's she just, never gonna listen to this. No, no. If you are listening, uh, sorry, but learn to fucking act. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, X Men. We don't care. X Men is a thing. It looks dark. Fast Ten is always a win, though. Yeah, I'm interested to see. If anything, uh, more like a um, watching a brain damaged puppy in a cage as it runs around, tries to make sense of its surroundings. That's what I want to go and see it for. Oh, I don't expect it to be coherent. I don't expect it to be. It could be good if it is. I'll be amazed. Mm. But I'm. I, but as I said, like, I love McAvoy and Fastbender. Yeah. They are. To the point where I kind of see them more than I see Stuart and McKellen now. Yeah. They are my Professor X and Magneto now. Mm. Even though I was raised with McKellen and Stuart. Um, in fact, McKellen and Stuart were my introduction to those characters because the first movie came out when I was like six. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they, it's just, yeah. But fact, my, it's, it's just because Fassbender's just insane. Like, he's brilliant. But yeah, X-Men, that's a thing. Now we're going on to the next thing, which is that Teen Titans are about to get ruined. Uh, more so than they already are with Teen Titans Go. Uh, so we're getting a live action Titans series. Yay! Um, it does not look great. It's gonna be well watched, if for no other reason, the same reason that Teen Titans Go has been well watched. Yeah. Um, people just flocking to it just to hate it, I think. What, um, is it, is it just called Titans? I think it is just called Titans, yeah. Because I'm just trying to, uh, here we uh, go. It, it looks very dark. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to see, like, what network it's been made for. Uh, I think it's a streaming, I couldn't tell you, <laughs> actually. Is it the DC streaming network? I think it is going to oh, be. Okay, so I know nothing about the DC streaming network then, so I have no idea if it's... I was going to say, is this a CW show, in which case... Um. Yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah, it's very dark, very gritty. I think the first promotional trailer that came out, which has uh, been pretty hardly stomped on uh, by the internet community... Um, it's been distributed by Netflix. Ah, oh really? Yeah, they're not making it, they're just distributing it. I see. Um, yeah, the, the, the first trailer was really very dark and very edgy it had Robin saying fuck Batman which yeah. I don't understand oh I'm going to go off topic here and I'm going to talk to you about the Batchelon gate Ollie um, 
it's just speaking of fuck Batman, I just um yeah. popped into my head. Uh, so DC have fucked up. Um, they have you heard of the DC Black Label? I have. It's like not. A, a new run of dark, edgy, uh, adult-oriented comics. Well, I'll be honest with you, I stopped reading DC after the New Fifty Two. They kind of lost me at that point. Um, yeah, so they, uh, there's a storyline, Batman Damned. It's quite an interesting premise. Batman has amnesia, the Joker is dead. Batman's trying to work out how it happened. Yeah. I think later on in the series, Constantine comes into it. Um, but there's a certain panel about halfway through where Batman is taking off his bat suit uh, to have the bat computer scan him for injuries. Um, and they print his penis. Yep. They illustrate Batman's penis in a comic book. That's what they think adult orientation is. Just cock and balls. Just just on the page. Matt, you say that, but how much did you spend on your copy of the Batslong? Okay, so I I did buy it because it became collectible. Uh, in fact, it was actually marketed on eBay as uh, DC Black Label debut appearance of the Batslong. Um, so DC... So it's become a collectible. It's yeah. become a landmark collectible in comic book history because DC have said, okay, we fucked up. Can we have these copies back? And readers have said, uh, no, fuck off. Um, I just thought that was quite interesting that it's Batman's penis is now technically a collectible. And you own it. And I do own it. I own Batman's penis. And, uh, yeah. So, the, judging by the fact that we started talking about Titans and we ended up talking about Batman's dick, kind of shows that this is really, like, this is painful to me, for me to be, like, saying, but I'm getting fed up with superheroes. Yeah. It's just there. Unfortunately, um, obviously, we have to talk about Teen Titans, the original uh, cartoon. Teen Titans. The really fucking excellent original cartoon. It was amazing. Uh, what made it so great is that it balanced its dark uh, themes, uh, the character developments and plot devices, with the humour, with the innocence of the fact that they were all teenage characters. Um, Teen Titans Go has been lambasted for being too cartoony, too light-hearted, too silly. Um, and this looks like it's going the other way. It's going to be too dark, too edgy, too gritty. Yeah. Uh, the very thing that the, actually the DCEU has been uh, criticised for being yeah. too dark, too gritty. It's almost as if they've not learned the lesson. I think people seem to... or studios, not people. Studios seem to think that DC is just Batman. Yeah, and that everyone in that entire universe is as dark and brooding as Batman. Well, yeah. they're not. No, definitely. They not. are just like. And it's a shame that Suicide Squad failed because mm. it could have showcased that. Yeah, like like DC's weird. Like not that Marvel isn't, but like D like the fact that Shazam is a character and we're getting a Shazam movie. Like it doesn't all have to be just dark streets of Gotham punching people. It's it can be fun. It can yeah. be jokey. It can Robin. I understand if you take him dark because if if we I assume this is Dick Grayson. This is Dick Grayson. So I'm guessing this is when he steps out on his own and sort of becomes Nightwing. Uh, yeah, he is still Robin. But he's I think. he's stepping out. Yeah. Like, and I kind of get that he could be dark because this is a child whose parents die, and instead of getting a father figure, he got an angry man who beat him until he became a superhero. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just like he deserves to be dark, but you can't make Starfire dark. Like Beast Boy is Be not a no. dark character. Cyborg, you can. Cyborg's not in it. Isn't it? What? No. Uh, as far as I can tell, I haven't spotted Cyborg in any of the promotional material. I presume because he's, in... he's already appeared yeah. in the, um, that was the cinematic chair, not universe me, anyway. Um, 
Uh, yeah. But it's the live action all looks terrible. It's worth mentioning. Starfire's CGI looks. So Starfire's CGI is terrible. Raven's CGI is terrible. Beast Boy is just a guy that's green and it looks terrible. It's not as bad as Inhumans, but it's pretty bad. It's pretty fucking bad. Um, so yeah, that's Titans. We're not going to be looking forward to it. Uh, oh God. I shall watch it again just to see uh, whether or not they've pulled it off, or maybe it's fair to say how badly they've pulled it off. I won't watch it because I've got better things to do with my life. Uh, Speaking of The Witcher, yeah, better things to do. The Witcher, ah, that was tortured. Sorry. Um, so it's worth mentioning the Witcher Netflix series is now an actual thing. Uh, this is this is good. This is really good. The books are excellent. Uh, there's a genuine case to be made for uh, the game series, uh, more specifically The Witcher Three. Uh, being the greatest game ever made. Yeah, there's a strong argument. There's a very there. strong argument there. Um, definitely the best RPG ever made. Yeah. Not a, maybe, maybe not the best game ever made, but probably yeah, it's um, it's up there. But the games are very different from the books. Yes, That's they are. And I feel like this Netflix show is going to be based on the books. Not it will really. be. Yeah, I think it's the first book. Because um, the games uh, take place. Like, Really, after the books, don't they? Yeah. Like, because um, they're a continuation of the books because people were were unhappy with the way the books ended. Should we say how the books end? Is that a potential spoiler for the series? But the books have been out for like ten years, don't they? Like, I think the the last one has not long been translated. Ah, uh, um, the, well, the books haven't been translated. Read the books; they're really good. They're the best way to describe Geralt and The Witcher is it's kind of like adult Shrek. Um, in the sense that Geralt is a character, he's a witcher, which hunt down mythical beasts. But he's the very first book, like he hunts down the beast from Beauty and the Beast. Like it's not like said that that's who it is, but he goes to a magic mansion where there's a beast, a, a humanoid beast who has magical living furniture, and so like Geralt is kind of a self-insert fanfic character into Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Oh well, you've just fucking ruined The Witcher for me forever now, Ollie. Why? Uh, because of that. <laughs> um, I mean, the main development that's happened here is they've cast Geralt. Yeah. Uh, Henry Cavill of uh, Superman. Man from uh, Uncle. Variety. Uh, Man from Uncle. And probably the next James Bond. Yeah. If we're being honest, like yeah, he's the, guy, the guy's getting around. Yeah, he's he's kind of the perfect casting for the next James Bond as well. Yeah. Um, the the the, the problem Ollie Ollie and I had fan cast who we wanted to play Geralt. Yeah. Uh, we really wanted Mads Mikkelsen to step oh. forward and play Geralt, and it would have been perfect. The fact that we fancast him meant that, inherently, whoever it was going to be, we were going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, even aside from that, I'm a bit apprehensive. I... I like Henry Cavill in theory, but I haven't really seen him in anything that I liked him. No. Like, I know that he is a good actor because obviously he wouldn't be cast in all of these major franchises if he wasn't but then again that Taylor Kitsch was in lots um, but I feel like I have faith in him being able to do this performance but as Matt said knowing that we like thinking that we could have got Mads Mikkelsen because it was it was a rumor at the time which is why we got so excited about it it's like mm, he's not quite right. Um, I think he would have been better as Dandelion, personally. Yes. Um, um, but 
it's again it's it's probably going to be really good because the books are fantastic and if you can ad- adapt those books into um anything like into a show it's going to be good i mean the, there's a polish version of um the witcher tv series which was made uh, entirely in polish and there is a, a, a version i think i watched it on youtube with uh, like english subtitles and it's really good and the biggest problem we have with henry cavill is that he's not Geralt from the games but in this uh version of the show like the, Geralt looks like a 25 year old like he's it, it, and it works it's just Mm, I'm not... We're going to have to wait and see. I'm so attached to Geralt from the games to the point where I read the books imagining that version of Geralt almost that not having that version is going to be a weird jump. I'm not going to say I won't like it. It's just going to take some getting used to. Mm. And that's how I feel about Henry Cavill. Yeah. Uh, We are just going to have to wait and see how this one goes. There's no way to call it. No. No. Maybe he'll be excellent. I hope he is. Maybe he'll be terrible. I I, I genuinely hope he's fantastic. Yeah. I want this series to be everything yeah. that we thought it was going to be when it was first uh, rumored. And it and it very easily still could be. Like when yeah, I, we probably know Henry Cavill could be the perfect casting, and we just haven't seen him play a role like that yet. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's he's smart. Smarky is that the word? He, you know arrogant enough and self-confident enough yeah if we're, the thing is if we're going by Geralt from the games it's a very emotionless uh, voice performance asshole basically he's yeah. an emotionless asshole and uh, there's a difference between a- um, purposefully acting emotionless and being emotionless yeah um, that's going to be the biggest challenge I think for Harry Cavill um, uh, how, how you deliberately act like you're not acting yeah and also portraying a character who's what 110, 115 years old? Like, yeah, at this point, yeah. Well, that's in the games. He's going to be younger than that, but he's old. Like, yeah. he's an old, wise man. Um, but we're going to be able to get more of the actual, like, Witcher lore, which we didn't get in the video games. Like, we're going to get more of uh, Kaimoran. We're going to get more of uh, all of the other witches of Kaimoran, the wolf pack. Hopefully we'll see Glavikin as well. Because we're going to get, like, yeah, we're going to get the actual original story of Geralt of Rivia um, and his origin with Ciri, which is fascinating. I'm not sure that what's her face Triss will be in this because I'm pretty sure she's a game only character I think it's only Yennefer from the original books mm. um, but it's Yennefer and Geralt's origin story which you've only, which if you've only played Witcher 3 which a lot of people have I've only played the second one and the third one I've still not played the first one uh, you know, you're not that brave no god seriously just watch a video what happens in the first one do it's, not do that to yourself it's a bad game um but there's no Yennefer really in the first game or the second game because it's all set after that and then she's introduced in Three and if someone doesn't hasn't read the books, I imagine she's quite a, a difficult character to understand in the books because you just they, the game kind of assumes you have her backstory. But now we're going to get her backstory in live action. Um, but I we're talking about this too much, I think. But we haven't really The Witcher is something we should probably do an episode on at some point because there's a yeah. lot of lore there. There's, we we've both read the books. I, I've played two of the games. I don't know how many you've played. I've only played the one, but I've watched like 30 minute recaps and what happened in the first and second. Um, I've got the first game on my computer. I've just it literally it's just not a playable game. It's so broken. Um, but we'll definitely do a Witcher episode at some point because I do want to talk in depth about the Witcher and the lore and just the books because they're fantastic. Mm. But we are still rambling so we're going to move on to 
more video games by the looks of things according to our notes, and that is, oh Matt, you're gonna have to take this because I don't know anything about it, but Telltale Games have closed their doors and cancelled production on all future product, uh, yeah, products. Um, yeah, I just want to talk briefly about it. Uh, so Telltale Games, if you've heard of any of their franchises, you've heard of the Walking Dead franchise. The Wolf um, Among Us is the one that I knew about. Yeah. Um, that's their, that was their first one, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. Because I, I know it was either the first Wolf Among Us or the first Walking Dead. Yeah. And then those two exploded and then they started getting every property known to mankind. Yeah. Um, so the Stranger Things Telltale series has been cancelled. Uh, they are going to go ahead and finish developing the um, Walking Dead final season. Um, and then, yeah, they're shutting their doors. I just wanted to touch briefly on it because it's a shame. Um, it always is when a, a video game uh, developer uh, closes its doors. We've seen a lot of studios either closing their doors or being absorbed yeah. by usually EA it's, um, as of late. It was, it's sad to see as well because although I never really got into Telltale games... Um, they were different, and that's not kind. And that's kind of that they they almost re brought back the nineteen nineties point and click adventure games. Yeah, and they repopularized uh, story driven single player. Yeah, uh, actions have consequences. Gameplay, um, and it was a it was genuinely refreshing. Um, there could be something to be said about the fact that that's all they did. Yeah, uh, their games weren't maybe different enough to each other. Um, I, think they I were, guess you played them for the setting rather than the um, innovations in gameplay. I think they were also hurt by the development of Life is Strange. Yeah. Because Life is Strange kind of took the Telltale formula and made it better. And then Telltale carried on doing just standard Telltale. And when you're doing that, but there's a competitor who's doing everything that you do and more, it's yeah. kind of hard to... Yeah, in a world where the gaming industry changes so violently and so regularly, yeah. uh, staunchly sticking by what you know and not pushing the boat out, not uh, trying to uh, innovate. reinvent, innovate, um, is, as Telltale has unfortunately proven, uh, not the way to go. No. Um, you look at their back catalogue, the IPs they had, uh, you know, The Walking Dead, uh, Game of Thrones, Batman, Back to the Future. Um, Borderlands. Yeah, Borderlands. There could be something to be said about taking too much on too quickly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially with the development team being as small as it was. Um, because that would kind of limit the innovations you could make with a small team if you're taking on that many projects at a time. It also is worth saying, like, it probably didn't help them as well that although season one landed perfectly, they kind of missed the chance with The Walking Dead because it's not a thing anymore. Like, you know, the, the first series came out when The Walking Dead was the biggest television show on the planet and yeah. everyone watched it. And then they just kind of, like, almost wasted time. If they'd, like, just focused on those three games and they'd given us the entire series of Walking Dead in, like, the space of three years. Mm. I feel like they might have... That would have given them the space to yeah. work on bigger things now that The Walking Dead is... It's kind of, like... I, I, fading. I, I don't know about people that love the Telltale Walking Dead series, but Walking Dead is not the same thing it used to be. No, definitely not. Um, it's... Yeah, uh, we, we could talk for ages about the main character, the guy who's always been the focus of the show, is suddenly leaving, yeah. and that leaves a very weird gap. And the failed uh, spin-off, what was it? The uh, Fear, Fear of the, the Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah. Yeah, that show's kind of... But we're not talking about that, we're talking about Telltale. And 
it is sad that they're going. Uh, I, as I said, I I played like five minutes of The Wolf Among Us because I got it for Christmas from my parents one year. I I didn't like it, but the thing is, is I will admit I don't think these games were made for me because I was. I don't I don't know if this will apply to Matt as well, but I'm a little bit too young to have a fond rem- memory of the point-and-click adventure titles. Like I know I would be the same. I didn't really like ever play like Adventure of Monkey Island and all those. No, uh, I think the closest I ever came, I played a Leisure Suit Larry game, <laughs> which is not really a point-and-click adventure game. It's just a, a, a stupid goof. Yeah. It was the one where he was at the um, health spa. But we, uh, we shape up or slip out. I think it was called something like that. Something so Leisure Suit Larry. So these games are more for the generation that you know they grew up playing Monkey Island and Sam and Max and you know all these amazing point-and-click adventures. Uh, but yeah, I was a bit. I mean, my first my first console was a SNES, but that's because it was my dad's old one. Mm. My first real console was a PS2. Like I'm kind of a bit late to that um, party, so I don't have the same nostalgia appeal that these games have to someone who's would have grown up in that yeah but i can easily appreciate that losing a company that you know reinvigorated a dying genre is sad um and i just hope that it's not the death of the genre again we've just had life is strange 2 is just launched um, yeah. i don't i don't know how that's selling or how well it's being reviewed but if at least if they can continue this sort of game at least it won't t- entirely be in vain. I'm worried the games in- industry will start to lose its focus in the next in the next uh, generation on uh, single player gameplay. Oh, almost certainly. Um, yes. And it's a shame that a company. Uh, it's a shame and also a worrying sign that a company that uh, sticks so religiously to single player gameplay has gone under. Yeah. Because um, it does raise the question of where are we going now. Yeah, I mean, the fact that uh, me and Matt were playing Far Cry 5 earlier, uh, the fact that that is an entirely online game, but you can't play it couch co-op, is just a weird decision. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, the game is designed to be played with two people. It's not like an online game, but there is an online mode where it's like a, you know, battle royale, shooty people, standard online fair. But the entire game is that it's meant to be played two-person co-op. Yeah. Um but they don't let you do couch co-op, and that is not the greatest thing that can happen. Um, but so, you, yeah, single player might be dying. I I feel like Rockstar will go down with the fight. They won't let single player campaigns die. No, and the fact that every single one of their games has fully fleshed single player campaigns, um, and every single one of them lands so well. Yeah, and they, I mean, GTA V stopped this, but their game online has always been an afterthought. Yeah. I mean, even in GTA V, it was an afterthought because it was released. It like was an six... afterthought that they, yeah, built on. Yeah, because they didn't release it for like six months after the original game came out, did they? It was definitely yeah. delayed. So, online has always been an afterthought to Rockstar, but most companies, it's their first port of call, and that's yeah, definitely worrying because um, I hate online gaming. I don't know if this is actually true, but there were rumours at one point that the new Call of Duty uh, was just not going to have a single player campaign. Well, Battlefront didn't. No. Well, the first, the second one did, but the first one didn't, and that yeah. was horrible. Mm. Um, yeah, but we're, right, we, God, we really are bad at staying on topic, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so, right, we're going to introduce a new segment now to the show, which will be a weekly thing for the next ten weeks, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that is that me and Matt have very, very, very differenting, differenting? That's not a word. Different opinions on Doctor Who. I am a diehard Whovian who has watched it my entire life. Loves the classic series. Used to watch it every Saturday morning on UK TV Gold, um, and I'm just you know 
obsessed with it and was so excited for the return. Matt, how was your, what are your feelings? I I just couldn't be more apathetic towards it, you know. Um, I used to watch it very, very casually, uh, on and off. I used to skip uh, so many episodes and just dip and dive in. Um, so we thought it would be interesting to get the contrast of someone who's not really that fussed either way about Doctor Who and someone who... Loves it, breathes it. So obsessed with it uh, as Ollie is, especially with the new changes they've made. Um, obviously, Jodie Whittaker's debut as the Doctor, uh, the new companions, new uh, everything, token change in aesthetic, um, new showrunner. We've got Chris Chibnall instead of Stephen Moffat now. Um, so you, proving to be a good thing. Yeah. Actually. So first thing we has to be said, uh, the, just the level of, of step up in production value that the new series has is incredible it no longer feels like it's all shot on a set yeah the camera angles like the cameraman knows what he's doing now he's not just you know straight out of film school just point at the actors and make them do their lines like there's actual camera shots there's lighting effects there's it's clear that Chris Chibnall is a very competent showrunner I'm not entirely sure how he is as a writer yet because we've only had one episode and it wasn't the best amazingly written in terms of uh, presentation, but but we this is a huge step in production values. Just yeah, just if you want to just understand what I mean, just watch the first five minutes of anything that Russell T Davies or Stephen Moffat made, mm-hmm. and watch the first five minutes of this, and it's night and day. It's gone from standard cheap BBC sitcom level production value yeah, to, to hey, let's really make something out of this. Something that looks like a film. Like yeah. these shots would not look out of place in a movie. Um, but we're not talking about the production value. The main thing, of course, is that we have a new Doctor and that she does not have a penis. Um, so Jodie Whittaker is the first female Doctor. <laughs> Sorry. I was, you could have phrased that slightly more delicately, Ollie. Oh, I'm just getting straight to the punch. Um, so she's the first woman to ever play the Doctor. This is huge. Um, just realised one thing, and that is that if we are talking to anyone outside of the UK, they will have no idea what Doctor Who is. Yeah. Uh, no, should probably explain... Watch if you've any of you ever watched Community. There's a there's a joke in that called Inspector Space Time, which is a spoof of Doctor Who. He's an alien who solves problems in a flying time machine, which is shaped like a blue box. Normally, those problems happen in London. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Considering he has a multitude of universes and infinite timelines stretching either direction, he seems to end up in London. Or a modern day London seems to be the most. Uh, but anyway, uh, well, it's not he anymore. It's she now. Uh, um, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we're going with. Yeah. So, um, Jodie Whittaker, lo- loads of pressure on her shoulders. Uh, yeah, as uh, not necessarily it being a big deal, but certainly everyone making a big deal of it. Yes. She was the first female Doctor. Um, I personally was never bothered. No. Uh, didn't I was, care. As long as as long as she was an entertaining Doctor, um, I I. The, what I watched of Peter Capaldi I didn't really like no. so um, I was hoping she'd just be an entertaining doctor it didn't really ever factor into it that she was a woman and she is that's the thing she's great I mean we only got like an hour of her I think this was an hour I mean, this was an hour and ten yeah, minutes it was an hour and ten I think but she's brilliant she's very Matt Smith yeah very like quirky very jump off the wall talks at a million miles a minute like yeah head moves back yeah. to the mouth yeah sk- uh, skitty I think is the word but that's fine I liked Matt Smith a lot um, mm. he was a lot uh, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this but he, I didn't like David Tennant because he was a bit too human mm. he just felt like a guy who had a spaceship whereas 
Jodie Whittaker feels like an alien. Um, I love the fact that in this movie she makes her own sonic screwdriver. I love the fact that the Doctor is making stuff again and mm. is actually trying to solve problems herself and fucking things up. I got really fed up with Stephen Moffat, who was the showrunner for Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi, basically made the Doctor a god who could never do wrong. Mm. And his sonic screwdriver was just a magic wand that could literally do anything he yeah. wanted it to. Whereas now she makes mistakes. She doesn't know what she's doing. The sonic screwdriver is made from Sheffield steel, which was just a nice little um, reference. And overall, I am very happy with the direction that the show is going in and looking forward to. And as the diehard Whovian of the group, I personally have not been this excited about the show since Tenant. Like, this is the first time I've like really got into it. Like, I'm, I'm not... I, the, I was sold on Matt Smith's Doctor the quickest because the episode where he was introduced was entirely about him whereas this is more about the Doctor and the companions mm. so I don't know that much I'm not 100% sold on Jodie Whittaker yet but the direction that the show is going in I am completely fine with Matthew um, yeah I very much agree with you um, I I really enjoyed Josie Whitt- Jodie Whittaker's uh, performance as the Doctor um it was nice to see her uh, messing up. I won't say it humanizes her, but it certainly depowers her. Yeah. Uh, because again, uh, um, uh, later sort of Capaldi episodes, I think were very sort of formulaic, and it's oh no, there's a problem. Wait a minute, I have an idea. It, Boom, solution. And it's normally um, the science. It was nice to see multiple things go wrong in a row, and there not be a, a proper conclusion to it. I think yeah. at the end, the episode just floating around in, in the vacuum of space uh, somewhere. Um, I think I'm, I'm a bit worried about the fact there's three companions this year I will agree with this that this season um, I just think that's too many I don't think they're going to um, uh, it's going to be difficult to flesh them all out properly with three of them occupying the same space as well as the Doctor yes and it's um, a new Doctor so we've got to get to know the Doctor as well exactly um, Bradley Walsh is very out of place I don't know what he's doing there really yeah. Um, I didn't like the main guy that much. I really like the policewoman. Yeah. I can't remember what any of them are called, which is really bad, but I've only watched it once. Mm. But the main guy, like, I don't know what it was about him. I just didn't click with him. But the, the woman, they, I, think, I think her name is Yaz. Yeah. She plays a policewoman. She was very interesting. Yeah. I do like that all of the companions know each other, though. Yeah. That's... It's going to help with there's going to be to a, there's going to be a dynamic there already uh, without them having to try and establish it as the uh, series goes on. And the dynamic between Bradley Walsh and the main companion, which I'm guessing he's going to be the main companion because yeah. like he just kind of felt like they spent the most time developing him. Yeah, yeah, that was the focus. The dynamic also. between him and Bradley Walsh is very interesting because if you haven't seen it, he is his step grandfather. Yeah, and they just they, they they get along, but they're not like family to each other yet, and. Mm. Spoilers, big spoilers. There's a fourth companion who is his grandmother who doesn't quite make it through this episode. Yeah, I mean, the problem there, uh, as I said to you before we started recording, I knew from the get-go there'd be three companions, so when there were four, and I knew which one uh, wasn't uh, advertised as a main companion, I was just sitting back waiting for something to go wrong. Yeah, and it, uh, I was just point. I just yeah, I just pointed at her and said she's gonna die. And her death was a bit out of nowhere. It was very out of left field. Like the, the main boss had already been defeated. Yeah, 
Um, and then she dies, and it's just and she falls off a crane, and like yes, that could easily kill a, a woman who you know she's an older woman but it still wasn't like that high like, yeah and she just died instantly and again the fact that it was so out of left field mm. rather than as the result of something it would be an interesting dynamic because of what that what then is later revealed with bradley walsh's character is that he yeah. is an ex-cancer he's in remission isn't he yes so it might be quite interesting and he says something like he's taken her years or something mm. and it, i feel like that might be a quite interesting dynamic to take forward but it's a bit crowded um and I also found myself kind of, uh, what's the what's the best way of putting this politely without trying to offend anyone? I found myself having to take back a moment because there's a moment at the end of the episode where the doctor goes out and picks her new outfit in a charity shop and she does like a shopping montage. And in the back of my mind, I went, oh, that's a bit weird sending a woman on a shopping, like that could offend the wrong person. But then in the back of my mind, I went, but the, the doctor always does this. Like this is something that every doctor has done is, like Matt Smith has his big moment where he picks up the Pope's bow tie yeah, and, the, yeah. and David Tennant spends ages going through the wardrobe of the TARDIS trying to pick his outfit Yeah, and it's just something in my mind I felt like like I, it's something wrong with me not with the show and it's something that I need to think about but it's the moment that I saw that I, I thought that was offensive and then had to take a moment back and go no that's actually exactly what the character yeah, would do yeah see I didn't I didn't think of it being what the other doctors were doing I, I did just see them in a charity shop and I, I was yeah, I was just a bit confused. Hmm. Um, I guess it makes sense. Um, and that's uh, that's something that's wrong with my mind, not yeah. with the show. And it's it, it genuinely like made me go, oh, actually, that's me putting something there that isn't there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that was one of the things that I wanted to mention. And the fa- and we should probably mention, you know, delicately because we are as you know, t- like white males. Um, <laughs> we should mention the fact that there's a woman uh, playing the Doctor and. I think they handled it perfectly in the sense that there's one throwaway line yeah. and that's it. And then, yeah. then it's just, she's the doctor. It didn't need to be a big focus. No, it they never just, needed to. They the just, best way they could always have handled it is just... The way they did. Yeah, don't present her as a woman. Present her as a new doctor. Yeah, and they did that. They basically... The, the companion Yaz meets the doctor, calls her mom, and she says, why are you calling me mom? Oh, wait, I'm a woman now. And then that's it. It's just never referenced again. And that's... Because... That's what it would be like. It didn't it? need to be referenced. The doctor exactly. wouldn't. The doctor's because it's heavily implied that the doctor's been a woman before, mm. because Missy in season ten says that she remembers the doctor when he was a little girl. Mm. So, it's not a big thing for the doctor because she's been a woman before. Yeah. So therefore, they're not making it a big deal, which is the best way to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that was Doctor Who. Um, we're going to continue this with every episode. We're probably going to disagree at some point in the future. Almost definitely. Um, um, Ollie being so diehard and me being so apathetic. Yeah, there's going to be a disagreement at some there's point. There's going to be a few times where Matt's like, I liked it, and me just, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to continue this for the next 10 weeks. There's going to be an episode every Sunday. Uh, so we'll talk about it. We'll keep you up to date. We'll keep everything going good on Doctor Who. Um, so we just before we ended, we just wanted to, uh, as a... You know, I don't want to say a treat, but as an apology almost for uh, being away so long, we're going to com- commit to coming back, and we're going to do it every week. And by doing that, we're going to be talking a, a, like a sneak peek at what our next few episodes are going to be. Um, not in any order because we're not we haven't developed an order yet, and I don't even know what we're going to be doing next week yet. But we're just going to talk like so. We've got uh, Red Dead is going to be the main thing that's going to be happening in the future. It comes out 
nine days from now, I think, at the time of recording? Uh, something like that. Somewhere around two weeks, yeah. two and a half weeks from now. Um, we probably won't cover it immediately because we want time. We want hands-on time with it. And I want to be able to review the online as well. I don't want to just review... I want to be able to... And, and I'm not going to touch the online until I've at least put probably 100-plus hours into the campaign. Yeah. So... We're gonna. It's gonna. It's not gonna. It probably won't be coming out to the end of October. Maybe no, because it's coming out yet. Probably the mid November. We'll, hmm. we'll probably cover that. Um, but yeah, we're very excited. New stuff has come out about Red Dead. Uh, Mud physics being the one that I'm the most excited about. Uh, Mud physics uh, and horse testicles uh, uh, for Red Dead. Yeah. Uh, apparently, an article came out. Apparently, they they're um they're going into so much detail uh, with world building that when you're riding your horse, if it's a male horse. Uh, and you start riding in a snowy environment, uh, your horse's testicles will visibly shrink. Um, is it an example of attention to detail, or is it an example of attention to detail in the wrong place? I don't know, but Which... it's certainly a level of detail we've seen before from Rockstar. Uh, I only just noticed this uh, recently, uh, but if you have one hand on your mobile phone in GTA V and the other on the steering wheel, uh, you won't be able to use the handbrake, because obviously you've got no hands free. Um, they are just ridiculous. Um, is this this is Rockstar North, isn't it? Yes. Is that the English company? Uh, Rockstar North are in are based in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is that. Then that explains why there's shrinking horse testicles. If it's Scottish, yeah. There's just angry Scotsmen going. Let's make their balls small. <laughs> Let's make the balls small. Oh God, that was offensive. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we're English. We're allowed to be offensive to Scottish people. It's part of our DNA. Just like uh, they hate us. Yeah, I'm going to move this on. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, Red Dead's coming up. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey came out not uh, long ago. Uh, it, Ollie's very excited about this. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is... Um, like I will say this without my Assassin's Creed bias, which I'm, I will admit I have unbelievable bias towards the Assassin's Creed series. Yeah. Because the original Assassin's Creed is one of the reasons I became a gamer. I spent so much time playing that video game because I've always been so interested in history. And that was like the first game that really let you explore history. Yeah. And that's kind of what the appeal of Assassin's Creed has always been. Odyssey is the first game where it's not just let's go look around a beautiful historical landmark and punch people in the face. This is a narrative-driven, full-fledged RPG set in ancient Greece. And we were saying earlier that The Witcher is probably the greatest RPG ever made. I would... It's not quite as good as The Witcher, but it's as close as a game has ever gotten to being as close as The Witcher. Um, and just, it's also one of the biggest games I've ever played. Like, I was explaining to Matt, like, I've not even finished the campaign, and I've put over 75 hours into it. And it's just, the just the size of that game is phenomenal, and... We were, we were saying that Ubisoft must have made a deal with the devil to get this thing working because there are glitches in it but not like noticeable, this isn't another Unity this isn't even another Origins because Origins had a lot of things wrong with it but this game's pretty smooth and the frame rate does drop occasionally um, but I, I feel like the only real area where the frame rate struggles is uh, like sailing into a port because you're going from the outside world in your boat straight into a city with no load zones and as you're pulling your ship into port sometimes the frame rate tanks as it's loading up all the NPCs in the city but if it didn't do that I'd be genuinely scared as to what my console was capable of like yeah. 
fact that they just you know in, like they instantly spawn probably a thousand NPCs into a city and the game just the frame rate just tanks for like five seconds and that's all that's the only negative effect that comes mm. it kind of shows that this game is what fans of Assassin's Creed have been waiting for since Black Flag since Ezio's trilogy this is it's the same company that made Black Flag it's Montreal they made Black Flag and, uh, and 2 so you kind of know that it's going to be a step forward and it really really is and I cannot recommend a game more to the point where oh if I had to make you pick between this and Spider-Man I don't know which one I tell you to play mm. probably Odyssey because you get more out of it mm. but Spider-Man's more fun I don't know but anyway yeah we're gonna I'm going to rant about this game for an entire episode and I'm gonna try and get Matthew to play it I'm gonna I'm gonna have to play it otherwise I'm gonna be very obviously completely out of my depth yeah it's just it's just fun and that's the best way I love that games that games this year have had one thing in common, and that is that I've had fun with almost every release. Mm. Which I can't say about many games. Like this year, I can't think of a game that I've paid, like bought and been. I don't really like this. Mm. It's been very, very strong, and it's just, it's a shame that we're now going to jump to the next generation, and they're all going to be shit again. Yeah. Um, we're probably going to get what one more year of the PS4. Uh, probably about a year and a half, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. they they Sony have only just confirmed that they are working on a new console now. But we're gonna um, get yeah. So it's, it's probably about a year off announcement, maybe. So we're gonna get we're gonna get like Red Dead, Last of Us Two. I can't think of any more major titles we're gonna get before the end, before they start going coming out in the next generation. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, we've rambled again. Yeah, uh, we're we gonna talk it. Red Dead. We're gonna talk Assassin's Creed. I want to talk about Venom. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna be charitable and say that I want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's stuff coming out. We'll do some retrospectives. Uh, yeah. As we started to do as well. Um, but we should be good because this part of the year is when most interesting stuff comes out. Yeah. Uh, obviously, some films coming up as, uh, as, as well. The Oscar announcements. Uh, the Oscar announcement and the announcements. Um, yeah. So it's gonna be obviously. Uh, in December, we're going to be doing our, you know, get best like the oh, award ceremonies. Yeah. Oh, we could do a best and then a worst. Yeah, we'll we do could. we'll do an award ceremonies for gaming, movies, everything like that. Um, so that'll be quite good fun. We'll yeah, probably do a best, best gaming and film, and then worst gaming and film, and there'll be some like joke categories in there, and yeah, we'll just say like, it won't just be his one really good game, his one really good film. We'll we'll talk about like best production value, best film that surprised us, which is probably going to be solo. Yeah, um, if anything, down to expectation. Yeah, think, like biggest so. surprise. So we'll be doing like we'll do an awards show. Um, that will be a nice long episode, I imagine. Um, but yeah, we've got plans. We've got uh, a future going forward. We're not going to disappear again. We promise. Um, yeah, we apologise again. Yeah. Um, it's it's just been so hectic, and we didn't want to kind of try and squeeze this in. We wanted to give this a proper focus when we had the chance to. Yeah. Um, it didn't help that I got sick straight after the wedding. That's one of the reasons why we didn't come straight back. But yeah, yeah. We're gonna, yeah. yeah. But now that we're back, we're we're putting everything into this again. Um, and yeah, so well, I hope you guys come back. I hope you listen to it. Uh, I've been Oliver Cardrick, and I've been Matt Patterson. And thank you for listening. <laughs>